This is our league, and this is your league. From the 55-yard line on CFL America Radio and the Sports History Network. Okay, so there's this guy, and he's a big guy. He was an ex-offensive lineman. Then he became a head coach in the NFL for the Oakland Raiders. He wore a lot of bad 70s clothes, and he was the head coach of this team. It was just a itch-in-the-mouth, crazy football team. And then he gets out, and then the next thing you know, he's in these beer commercials, and he's, he's busting through walls, and, and, and he becomes a broadcaster, and he, he says boom and whap, and he's drawn on a telestrator, and he gets really loud, and he gets really fast. That's the old body slam, you know, like they do in wrestling. He rides around in a bus. He doesn't like being in a plane across the country, going from town to town, game to game, city to city. People can't get close enough to him, but he's kind of a loner. He's a guy that likes his privacy, but on Sunday, he will light up your television screen with words that aren't even words. Boom, right there, that's a wham block. That's John Madden, and he's dearly missed in the game today. You're going to be a football player when you grow up? Today is the best day of your life. Believe you me. It's the greatest year I've ever known. What a ride it's been. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've been in football all my life. Behind John Madden's office in Pleasanton, California, is an old Raider blocking sled. The core of it was was football. To me, this is where it all starts. You see the, you know, seven-man sled. It's the greatest game in the world. Hitting a seven-man sled, that's the first thing they do. So that would get rid of all hangovers. Football uh, has been my life, and it's given me so much. When you call that snap count, you should hear one boom. Now, playing is the best thing. Coaching is the next best thing. When you're coaching, you're just standing out here. You can ride this thing all day. But when you can play it for a while and then go on with your life's work and it's still football, you're the luckiest guy in the world. Down, six, eight, 100, 200. I do both. Right, 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 John Madden hasn't had one football life. He's led several of them. For a decade, he held the whistle in Oakland and coached the Raiders to their first Super Bowl win. He held a mic for 30 years and won 16 Emmy Awards as a broadcaster. And, of course, he often held a cold beer as a TV commercial star. He held a joystick as a video game pioneer, held a pen as a best-selling author, and he even held his own on Saturday Night Live. Hey, this is going to be a great show. I've been practicing with the team all week. They're terrific. For over 50 years, the name Madden and football have been synonymous. His first field was Madden's lot behind his Daly City, California house, and his best friend was future USC and Ram head coach John Robinson. Since the age of 10, the two Johns competed for everything. You'd get the ice cream cone, 
and you would say no bites, then that means that he couldn't ask for a bite. But if he said bites first, then you got a bite. So if he says bites before you say no bites, you have to give him bites. Well, John, being the kind of bad human being that he was at the time, uh, uh, would spit on the ice cream cone. That means that he got bites, now he's not going to eat it. Well, I put up with that for a while, but then I said, to hell with this. I need to compete here, so I would bite on I'd take a bite anyway. John Robinson was the only guy that would still eat the ice cream after he spit on it, when he got bites. And he always thought that was unbelievable that I would do that. But I wouldn't. I didn't care so, as much about the food as I, I, I didn't want to lose to him, you know. John Robinson, close friend of yours, and what a nice man. Well, forever. You know, John Robinson and I grew up together. We were in grammar school and all that. We were going to be the two greatest players that ever lived. We were going to play for the Yankees in the fall, in the summer and the 49ers in the winter. If we watched the 49ers and Hugh McElhaney made a great run, we would always say, I'm Hugh McElhaney, you know, and then you'd make a run. John's favorite player was Bob Tonoff. I'm Bob Tonoff! And you'd get off right there. We would stand in front of mirrors and practice our batting stances. I'm Ted Williams, you know, bat straight up, feet together. But we, we began to realize that maybe this fabulous career wasn't going to happen. <laughs> the Daly City duo went to the University of Oregon. Robinson played for four years. Madden lasted only one. It wasn't a good fit. I didn't have a car, and it rained every day, and you had to walk, and it just... So anyway, I went to Cal Poly, and, and that, that was everything that I needed. I mean, I was able to go there, graduate, get my teaching credential, get my master's degree. In 1958, Madden was drafted by Philadelphia in the 21st round. But in training camp, he shredded his knee, and his career was over. He wanted to coach, so he spent the 59 season watching film with future Hall of Fame quarterback, Norm Van Brocklin. He called me Red. He said, uh, hey, Red, come on up here with me. And I sat up there with Dutch. I'm the only one there, and so he's talking out loud, and then he started talking to me more. I never had it. <laughs> I'm not saying, I said, yeah, Dutch, why don't you have Tommy McDonald do a post and then hook up and see if he has something. And uh, I never did anything like that. I just listened. But it was the greatest education I ever had, Norm Van Brocklin. Madden also attended a coaching seminar given by his idol, Vince Lombardi. It's the power sweep. It's the lead play in our, in our offense. And Vince Lombardi spoke on one play for eight hours. This is the play we feel that every defense that we face must stop. One play, eight hours. This is what we call running to daylight. I could have spoken on any subject for like two minutes. Inside the defensive tackle, inside the defensive end. And I realized at that point, I don't know a damn thing. I'm a bluff. My knowledge was just surface. Madden was a newlywed and soon to be father of two. He needed some paychecks, so he quickly worked his way up the coaching ranks. 
John Madden's coaching career began in 1960 at Hancock Junior College. Four years later, he went to San Diego State, where he learned a new pass offense from future NFL head coach Don Coriel. Raiders boss Al Davis was impressed by Madden's rise. In 1967, Davis hired him as linebacker's coach. We can also sometimes, on first and ten, run a strong dog or a red dog. In Madden's first season, he matched wits with his idol, Vince Lombardi, in Super Bowl II. Oakland lost. Two years later, the Raiders lost head coach John Rausch, who abruptly left for Buffalo. Al came in and talked to everyone and said, look, I'll talk to any one of you after the draft is over about being the head coach. Davis had his eye on Baltimore Colts defensive coach Chuck Knoll. So Chuck got the job with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So now I'm thinking, Al had a guy that I think was Chuck, and now he doesn't have a guy. So if he doesn't have a guy, and why not me? Davis agreed, and at age 32, Madden became the youngest head coach in the NFL. He was just good for me. He was just great. He was a great coach, a great teacher. He was great with players. He wanted to win, and uh, he believed in the Raiders. He believed in silver and black. We have a fine veteran football club, but our job is going to be to take the people that we've drafted, to develop them, and someday they're ready to play and be a very good Oakland Raider. Lombardi kind of liked Patton. And I could see a John Madden looking at Lombardi and looking at Patton and saying, Ho, I'll take the best out of him and the best out of him, and then I'll leave a whole bunch behind. So he left the Lombardi behind and went into the Madden, which was perfect for his team. I admired all those guys, but if I would have tried to be like any of them, I would have been a phony. Now, there's nothing that is worse than a phony because players will see through a phony. You, you don't have any longevity. Now, if you're going to have longevity, you better be yourself. And you better be yourself every doggone day. Let's start off and stay after the whole game. Madden let the Raiders be the Raiders. Gone was the dress code and the never sit on your helmet rule. I'll be myself and you guys can be yourselves. The last thing I'd say when I was coaching Raider before we went out on the field is don't worry about the horse being blind, just load the wagon. Don't worry about anything else, you just go whip the other team. You know, I only had three rules and one was be on time. Don't be late for meetings. Pay attention. He was a stickler on that. Play like hell when I tell you to. You play hard when I tell you to. You know, you have to wear a necktie or something on the on the airplane, you know, that that's never won a game. And he never had a superiority approach to it. We're all kind of down in the dirt here and, and like in Madden's backyard and 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 that's how we're gonna do it. He knew that some guys needed a kick in the butt. Otto, you dumb quit hold it. <laughs> Madden learned that a pat on the back worked too. As a coach, you know, when you yell at me, that doesn't do any good. 
And he looked at me and said, Art, don't be so sensitive. <laughs> it's out of nowhere. Don't be so sensitive. <laughs> but I was a sensitive person. And you know what? Never yelled at me again. NFL officials, however, were rarely spared. Sometimes as a coach, you just had to yell. You jerk! You big jerk! It was easier to yell at officials than it was to players. You don't call Yeah, you! He was uh, what you want in a football coach. You want a guy who's going to let his players play, let his players beat themselves, and fight for them. Sometimes you got to let the horses run wild. And that's what John would do, let the horses run wild. Here come all the Raiders. Holy Toledo, it's a free-for-all. There wasn't a lot of late hits and stuff. I mean, I didn't, I didn't teach that stuff. I just taught him to play hard. We always tried to play within the rules and, you know, maybe, maybe stretch him a little. Madden's defense was all his design. Not so the offense. He used the intermediate pass routes he learned from watching film with Norm Van Brocklin. He dropped the bomb often, using the launch codes he got from Al Davis and Don Coriel. At the heart of it all was Lombardi's power sweep, run to perfection, behind one of the greatest offensive lines in NFL history. People say, oh, that Madden, you know, I know what he's going to do. He's going to, yeah, we are, but I had, he runs to the left all the time. Well, I had Jim Otto as a center, Hall of Fame. Gene Upshaw as a left guard, Hall of Fame. Art Shell, left tackle, Hall of Fame. Why wouldn't I do that? <laughs> Madden won six division titles in his first seven seasons. But the best was yet to come. I want to see this. They know what they want. Put tight, full right. Scream strong to half. We won a lot of games, and every game's a big game. You know what I mean? People say you didn't win the big games. Well, tell me when there's a little game. John Madden coached in more hair-raising games with names than anyone. One of the greatest was the Sea of Hands playoff miracle in 1974. The ghost to the post from Ken Stabler to Dave Casper helped the Raiders beat the Colts in the 1977 playoffs. A year later, the Holy Roller stunned the Chargers. In Madden's most controversial game with the name, he lost. 
thanks to the immaculate reception. Frank went in, no one called touchdown. So my idea was you didn't know what happened. It was just the manner in which it was done and then the finality about it. I mean, everyone runs off the field and you stand. <laughs> That's the only game I recall that I was worried for him, you know, because um, that was such a, he never brought a game home. But if there was one game where he just, you looked at a man that lost, he looked like a man that lost uh, big time. Madden was an analyst for 11 Super Bowls and watched many coaches savor the victory ride. That's the greatest feeling in the world. That's what it's all about. You are Super Bowl champions, world champions. But as a head coach, Madden hadn't taken that ride. Four times in six seasons, great Raider teams lost to the eventual Super Bowl winner. You'd be disappointed, but doggone, you know, we're close. We're, we're good. We're good. We're as good as they are. In 1975, Madden hired John Robinson as running backs coach. He hoped that Robinson could help Oakland finally make a Super Bowl. Instead, the Raiders lost their fifth championship game. You just keep uh, pounding on the door and the door will eventually collapse. We're going to keep pounding on that door, and that damn door is going to collapse. Some thought that Madden couldn't win the big one, and that Al Davis was the real coach of the team. The last thing we want to do is, is make excuses. Turn over to Al more than anything else. Yeah, my name's John. <laughs> a hell of a time, I know, but... Uh... Anyway, John thinks that... Uh... <laughs> Just show stupidity. Al made sure of the thing Al was supposed to make sure of, and John made sure of the things that he was supposed to take care of, which was the field. Anything that I ever wanted that had to do with football, uh, you know, he supported me. It was a perfect situation. It was a perfect thing for me. After one season in Oakland, Robinson left for USC. As for the other John, he was about to make history. There gets to be a point in every game where you eliminate the outside. When you get closer to the game, the circle narrows. And then it gets to a point where it's just us against them. The toughest them was Pittsburgh. Oakland lost to them three times in the playoffs. 1976 would be different. On opening day, the Raiders roared back from 14 down to beat the Steelers in the final seconds. Jubilance and exuberance. 
Oakland was near perfect, losing just once in the regular season. In the playoffs, they trailed the Patriots by four, with 14 seconds left. One team stood between them and the Super Bowl. We're going to have to play our best next week because we've been here before and um, uh, damn it, uh, this is a hurdle that we got to get over. This is Bill King at the Oakland Coliseum, the home of the Oakland Raiders. Time and again, they've arrived at this point, the AFC Championship game, only to be, in one way or another, bitterly disappointed. Okay, come on, defense! The Raiders dominated from start to finish. You're just so happy. You know, you finally get there, and you probably do a lot of stupid things. I mean, I, I probably did. I could have, you know, stuck my head in the toilet. Beautiful things. He comes out of the shower, look like a, a dog with a hair on. He just came around and shook everybody's head, just like a wet dog. Going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl Eleven was played in Pasadena where a week earlier, John Robinson had led USC to a victory in the Rose Bowl. Madden hoped to make it a double dip for Daly City. First, Madden unleashed Lombardi's power running game. He followed it up with Air Coriel passes to MVP Fred Bolitnikov. Snake Stabler hissed passes that would have made Norm Van Brocklin proud. The route was on. Oakland hammered home the victory with Madden's new 3-4 defense installed that year. For the first time ever, the Raiders were Super Bowl champions. That was the, the culmination of everything that he'd ever worked for. God, how's it feel? Great. Great. Waited a long time for it. You know, that was, that was the day. That was the biggest day of all of our lives. John Madden goes on the shoulders of his players. Robinson's Rose Bowl ride was so smooth, he could have enjoyed an ice cream cone. Then, they scooped up Big John. There was a cameraman on the ground, and he was taking the shot up, and he didn't move. And my guys who were carrying me off didn't see him, and they tripped. 
was like the building that wasn't built correctly. <laughs> John started moving in one direction, and you ain't stopping 300 and some pounds. And it was like the London Bridge is falling down. <laughs> you don't care. I mean, I don't care if I would have fell on my head. You're so happy that that erases anything else. I never thought like, oh man, that's terrible. I, they're carrying me off the field, we'll all fall down. Eh, don't even think about it. Robinson was in the locker room when Madden finally made it in. And I remember seeing him after, and his statement says, who would have thought two doofuses from Daly City would have this happen to him? And I said, yeah, that's about it. Super Bowl champion, and they can never take it away from you. Maybe the fact that we chased it so long made it bigger to us. It was the greatest feeling in the world. There was nothing that can beat it. We won every game that there is. Regular season game, playoff game, championship game, Super Bowl game. So all we could do is do it again. And that didn't, that didn't excite me. I've been here for 12 years with the Oakland Raiders and 10 years as a head coach. And those 10 years have been the happiest years of my life. I gave it everything I had. I don't have anymore. I'm not resigning. I'm not quitting. I'm not doing anything. I'm retiring from football coaching, and I'm never going to coach again. I really didn't respect broadcasting then. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of broadcasting. CBS offered me a job, I don't know, four or five games, and I said no. My agent at that time, he said, if you don't do it, they may not want you. I had to try it, so I tried it, and, uh, and I really liked it. I mean, I really, I really did like it. But not at first. Being a giant on the sideline was great. Not so much in the booth. I should have been sitting on his knee. I should have been like a mannequin. You know, people of a certain age will understand. It should have been like Charlie McCarthy and Edgar Bergen. You know, it's like he took up four-fifths of the shot. It took a while for Madden to learn how to fit in as an analyst. Good afternoon, everyone. Dick Stockton with John Madden. I'm Gary Bender, along with John Madden. Hi, everybody. I'm Vin Scully, along with John Madden. Frank Labor, along with ex-Oakland Raiders coach John Madden. And looking ahead to the second half now, what do you think? Well, I really think what, what we thought before the game, that it's still going to be secondary and coverage. As stressful as those early broadcasts were, flying to and from games was worse. And I flew and I got this... This terrible feeling. And uh, if you ever have claustrophobia or panic attack, you kind of feel like you're dying, you know. And, you know, and you start making promises and stuff. And I said, if I ever get off this, if we land and I get off and I'm okay, I'll never fly again. What the heck's that I'm seeing there? Would you catch a little airplane fly? Yeah. Boy, that's too low. Is that a real plane, you think? What do you think it is, a toy? I don't know. <laughs> Never leave the ground. Madden took trains instead of planes to get around his phobia. The thing that they have to do is the 49ers play on running downs of 3-4 defense. 
1987, he hopped on the Madden Cruiser and traveled the back roads to the games. Eventually, Madden would become the game's top analyst. He spent 22 years at CBS and Fox, working alongside Pat Summerall. He was John Wayne and Walter Cronkite. You know, that's who he was. And, uh, and he could keep everything on an even keel. You know, I'd be wandering off, and then Pat, like, could summarize it, like, in three words. And I'd think, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> Boom, we cross him. The left goes to the right. The right goes to the left. This guy crosses here. He crosses here. They have no idea where we are, who we are, where we're coming from, or who we're throwing to. Very interesting. There aren't many perfect marriages in the world. That was a perfect marriage. That one felt like I was sitting on my couch, and John and Pat were sitting over there in the two chairs next to me, having a beer, and we were watching a game. Joe Montana looks more like Barry Manilow, doesn't he? <laughs> Whatever he looks like, he's a marvelous athlete. It was a joy. I mean, I think everybody who was in the business wanted a show that looked and sounded like that Madden Summerall show. He makes a little basketball twist there and pivot. And boom, the ball's there. The booms and the whole thing and then the doinks when, it, when a, uh, a kick would hit the upright. People love that. Listen to this one. <laughs> louder than a doink. Those booms and stuff <laughs> have been with me all my life. Boom! That is a great stiff arm. He was so detailed and yet at the same time he could not hide his passion or most of all his sense of joy that he was at this game. Like this is a father bucket, this is a mother bucket, and since the last game, they had a baby bucket. So this is a baby bucket. I guess that clears up the question as to whether they're married or not. And he had guys he liked, guys who were a little different, you know, guys whose helmet was screwed on different, you know. I said, John, you need to make a team of those kind of guys. And they're all mad and came. That's how it started. And he did. He he started it. I told John, I said, I'm 50% I'm of, of um, this franchise, you know. And he sent me an ice cream cone. But the squiggly telestrator lines, booms, whaps, turduckens, and six-legged turkeys were all Madden. It's funny the number of people that aren't sure how many legs are on a turkey. You know, how did you get six? Now, I know a turkey has four legs, but how did you get six out of it? <laughs> How'd you get four out of it? And of course, what John did too is he spawned a succession of Imitators. Did you see what Chad Johnson did in the offseason? He beat a horse in a race. But if you ask me, it wasn't fair. Chad should have had a jockey on his back, too. The kind of broadcaster he was was what set him up for everything else. What separated him from other broadcasters, he was the everyman. He was the guy next door. He was the guy he wanted to have a beer with, which is what made him a great spokesman. And you scramble around like a crazy guy trying to make the big meeting. You can blow your whole career. He was the guy who said to you, hey, if this lawnmower is good, it was good. Have this beer, it's pretty good. He wasn't slick. That's what made him so compelling. So I've probably in my lifetime broken through more paper than anyone in the world. The world record for that. Like I was saying, light beer tastes great. He also sold over a hundred million copies of his Madden video game. It all began in 1984, when Madden was approached by Trip Hawkins. 
he was basically going to be the announcer of the game that you might play or that you might play with a friend. He's going to be the announcer. Now this is what the game of football is all about. And then, of course, if you're playing against him, he's going to be the rival coach. And when you're calling your plays, if you weren't sure what to do, you could ask him for his advice. Even if the defense expects a run on first down, I'd still run it right at him. It's ironic, actually, because years later, John would say, I, I can't believe that I'm best known for a video game. And, you know, I, I don't think any of us could have imagined that that would happen. You know, people don't say, I'm going to play video game football. People say, I'm going to play Madden. You know what I mean? That's what they say. I'm going to play Madden. It blows your mind every year. Again, that was luck. You know, I mean, there was no way we sat down or I sat down and said, I'm going to make a video. I didn't even know what a video game was. But as a coach and broadcaster, Madden always knew when it was time to walk away. After 30 years, with rows of Emmys in his office, he hung up the mic in 2009. The game was great and unexpectedly great. John, of course, was on top of the game perfectly. What Ben does, I mean, he's, he's so big and strong that he can, he can find time, he can move a little, he can pump, bring it back, reload it, and still get it out there. Oh, no. But three months later, John would retire. And classically, John Madden, he didn't make a long speech about it. He just said, it's time. But John Madden's football life was far from over. I'm a hang guy. I love to hang out. I love to hang out, tell stories. One of my favorite things in playing a coach was the bus rides. In 2006, the bus rolled past the old seven-man blocking sled to take one man on the ride of his life. John Madden was heading to Canton to be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Despite winning 100 games faster than anyone and having a better winning percentage than many Hall of Fame coaches, including Vince Lombardi, Madden had waited decades for the call. He just enjoyed the country, enjoyed the travel, enjoyed the mom-and-pop restaurants in small towns, whether it's Van Horn, Texas, or Lincoln, Nebraska, or just he loved that part of it. I like to hear what they do, how they got there, what they do. I mean, that was always, what do you do out here? Madden's journey to the Hall of Fame was in 2006. Before it, joyful wins. After it, the sad loss of many he'd coached, and longtime friend, Pat Summerall. First goodbye with Pat was at CBS. Then we both went to Fox. This is the third goodbye. It's the toughest. Goodbye, Pat. Rest in peace. Love you. Every football life 
has sad shadows cast over it. That was true for Madden, who had to wait for years to finally be cast in bronze. First year that I was eligible to go in the Hall of Fame, I was a finalist, and I didn't make it. It went like 20, 20 years, and I wasn't even on the list. <laughs> and so after a while, you know, you kind of have to laugh. When the 2006 class was announced, Madden was in Detroit, preparing to broadcast Super Bowl 40. It's the NFL Network, and there's Rich Eisen, and he says, Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2006 announcement press conference. Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman. Harry Carson. Harry Carson. Then John Madden. John Madden. And like, the room exploded. It happened so fast that Fred and Drew, his director and producer, they were in mid-hug, and my camera came out, and it was shaking, and I've got this blurry picture. And I don't remember what I look like or what happened, but I just had tingles all over me. We watched the NFL Network, they're going to announce it, and I said, they can't take this away, can they? I mean, they can't say we're kidding. We want it back. <laughs> you can't. You don't fly to Hawaii, you can't have it. <laughs> the cruiser finally arrived, but it went past the hall and out to the Canton airport. He walks on and takes the, the mic from uh, uh, the flight attendant and, and welcomes everyone. Yeah, welcome to Canton, everyone. This is the first time I've been on an airplane since 1970. <laughs> I'm just so happy to have all of you here and, and, and being part of this. And I just want to say, just have fun. If, if you have any questions, if you have anything you need, don't ask me. Uh, Jim Otto said, I would say, I used to always tell the team, don't worry about the horse being blind, just load the wagon. Go get them. Welcome. Today... It's a very emotional and inspirational experience for me to present the great John Madden into the enshrinement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Today feels like the second time in my life that I'm being carried off the shoulders of others. Yet instead of off the field, it's into the Hall of Fame. And instead of five or six guys, today I ride in the shoulders of hundreds of friends, coaches, players, colleagues, family. And I just say this, I thank you all very much. This has been the sweetest ride of them all. Thank you. Madden's football lives continue. He watches all the games at his production facility and advises the NFL's competition committee and safety panel. Just because I'm not actively broadcasting or actively doing that, I, I still love it. I'm still interested in it. I still want to know what they're doing. I still want to know why they do it. And the next thing that comes is you got shotgun, and you have to get shotgun runs. So when I do this, I'm always thinking about how can we make the game better? Between the safety issues and the rule issues, uh, that keeps me pretty much involved. In the NFL, Madden will always be a part of the conversation. 
especially at night in the Hall of Fame. After all the people leave and the last guy closes the door, I believe that the busts talk to each other. Madden would share stories into the wee hours, but when it comes to his own lasting legacy, he's at a loss for words. I don't think about that. I don't think that's up to me. You know, I, I really, I honestly don't, I don't think about that. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We love John Madden. He was true to himself. He was true to the people that were around him. He cared about people. He loved people. He loved his players. He loved his family. And he only wanted the best for all of us. He was a Hall of Fame football coach. He was a gigantic television star. Why? Because the bit of advice that everybody gets that's easy to say but hard to follow, be yourself. He was able to be himself in spades, and people loved him. I look at so many people that never did what they wanted to do. Eh, maybe a little happy. I look at John Madden as the one guy that I could point to that did what he wanted to do the whole, his whole life. You sit in a room with him and it's like, what am I going to add to this? I'll just be quiet and take it all in. And uh, I also know that those around him really consider themselves lucky and part of his inner group. Remember that guy that you loved the most when you were growing up? He was your school teacher who was the most brilliant yet at the same time really cared about you. The guy who came and sat with you and played cards or maybe even later on video games. Well, he exists. He exists. His name is John Madden. There's no pretentiousness. Just a guy who I know cared about me and I cared about him and, and, uh, and there's so damn much fun. I mean, he's been in the public eye so long, and we live in this gotcha society. By being who he is and sticking to his guns, he's never embarrassed himself. And he's somebody, uh, from the time I was five years old to now I'm you know, 53, I've always been, I've been proud of every single thing that he's ever done. You know, the word that I would use, the strong sense of the word, he's... He's very intimate. He cares about everything. How can you find a game that you really like and you can stay in it your whole life? I mean, I'm so damn lucky that I was able to do that. <laughs>